All right, so hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and I'm back tonight with my co-host, Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. And we are here for Detention Live. Joining us tonight, we have not one, not two, but three special guest co-hosts, the crew from Tabletop Journeys. Josh, you want to say hello to everyone? Yeah, sure. Hey, uh, welcome, everybody. I'm Josh from Tabletop Journeys, uh, joined here with my co-hosts, Glenn and Luanika. All right. Glenn, do you want to say hi so they know who you are? Certainly. Hi, everybody. I'm Glenn from Tabletop Journeys. Excited to be here. I've uh, been listening to a couple of the detention episodes. I'm very much looking forward to it. Well, we're excited to have you. And Lewanika, I'd like to say hello as well. Hello, everyone. I'm Lewanika, and I am extremely chuffed to be here today. Um, <laughs> Like I've been listening to your podcast for about a year now. Uh, when Josh first said, you got to listen to these guys, we had started and he said, you got to listen to these guys. And, uh, I love your episodes. The detentions are my favorite episodes. They really are. Um, everything else is good, but th- this is uh, top bar. So when I found out we were going to be here all over it. Well, we are very excited to have all three of you here. Uh, Detention is also one of my favorite shows that we do, mostly because there's absolutely zero prep involved other than scheduling people. <laughs> I don't have to like think about anything. We just come in here and you know BS for a little while, and people seem to like it. So I'm very excited nice. to have you here. Uh, quick shout out to Jack, who is in um, chat already, saying hello. Happy to have you with us uh, tonight as well. Uh, hey, so, Jack. so if anyone's not yet familiar with your show, uh, Josh, what's the sure. elevator pitch for Tabletop Journeys? Yeah, so Tabletop Journeys is a podcast all about uh, every aspect of tabletop role-playing that you can possibly imagine. Uh, We do our main episodes on Saturday where we do deep dives into rules or interviews with other indie RPG creators or whatever happens to be coming up. Uh, We have an episode coming up soon about Vox Machina, you know. All sorts of stuff on our main episodes. Uh, And then on Tuesdays, we do our actual play episodes. We, uh, We run actual plays with our patreons we run uh, uh people come in to go ahead and run games with us uh all that sort of stuff so yeah that's how we uh that's how we do it all right so if someone about the new stuff class warfare oh that's right yeah uh our class warfare episodes they kind of go along with uh like our our class discussion episodes where we will roll up tunes and throw them against randomly generated monsters uh up on our youtube channel so and some of our favorite uh actual play content is when we get together with games creators and they run it for us mm-hmm. and yeah. we provide the players. That's a lot of fun. An idea I totally stole from RPG Academy. So say, that's, uh, we do yeah. that with our trials, <laughs> which is again, also one of my favorite things that we do. Um, so I'll put links to all your stuff in the show notes. Yeah. If anybody wants to go check it out, I'll make it as easy as possible. Um, again, if someone is new, what is the one episode they should start with? Like if you had, like if you could pick, this is where to start, which one should they go check out? Oh, wow. Uh, not to put you on the spot or anything but i just did okay so if you are a fan of actual play actually you need to go listen to the actual play episodes that we are running right now uh we are running an actual play Mm. series uh through a powered by the apocalypse build based on the faith no more album the real thing thing. uh the game is amazing uh and it's being run by the game creators um so you absolutely need to go check that out uh and other than that, you know, uh, content warning. When, it is adult content. It okay, is okay. adult content. Thank you. It is sex, yeah, drugs, yeah, and yeah, rock sure. and roll. Yeah. Uh, and then other than that, man, the number, I don't know, Lee Winnicott, what do you think is our best episode that we ever did? I think the episode that encapsulates the core of who we are the best is probably our background episode. 
However, like episode three, yeah, that was our third episode. And yeah, anyone who's podcasting right knows how rough that early quality <laughs> is. I mean, it's it all is. collaborative world building. That one's a good one. Yeah, actually, yeah. world yep. building was a, a real spot on one. Uh, our discussions on the, on the pillars of the game would also be great places to start. I think yep. uh, we were pretty inspired on those as well. Yeah. All right. Very, very cool. So uh, nice. do you have a website? Is it just tabletopjourneys.com? It, it's at www.ttjourneys.com, or you can find Tabletop Journeys uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. So, All right. Very cool. All right. So um, usually we like to start things off here with extracurricular, and this way we just kind of talk about what we've been up to lately. It, you know, it could be TV you're watching, movies, books you've been reading, albums you're listening to, really anything personal about your life you're willing to share with people on the internet. Uh, so I'll leave that up to, to your discretion, but I'll start with Chris. Chris, what you been up to lately, buddy? Uh not a ton new uh, about the only thing new is I went over to a friend's house to relax on Sunday and uh, stole his Amazon prime I was in his <laughs> living room <laughs> and uh, watched that legends of uh, Vox Machina. Okay. You say it. And uh, I thought, you know, I'll just watch an episode, see what it's like. Uh, a few hours later, I finished these series and went, wow. I was about to say how, how to an episode go. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I sat down and he goes, well, if you like that, you got to try the boys. I was like, nah, all right. <laughs> oh, the boys so are great show. <laughs> I love the boys. Yes. Yeah, I got three episodes in and I said, all right, I got to go home. And now I'm trying to convince the wife to just, just spend the money for a month or two and let's watch <laughs> those episodes. Uh, she didn't quite understand it when she walked in the room yesterday and I yelled, Scanlon's hand. And she looked at me like, what the hell is that? I'm like, you got to watch the show. You'll get it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's times. about all that's new. It's the usual work. Watching it explode as usual. So we all keep right. growing. Well, that's good though, right? Yes. Yes. I, I found out our company has a, a budget that they want to buy another company in our area. <laughs> so they're saying, oh, great. We're going to buy another company and probably merge it with your office. I was like, oh, awesome. What company? <laughs> and they're like, oh, we don't know yet. I'm like, well, Just obviously, you know. Company. Well, tell them yeah. you got you know this up and comer podcast called RPG Academy. They might be looking for a buyout. You know, yeah, I don't know how how I could sell that to a medical supply company. But... I don't either, but you, you can't unless you try. <laughs> hey, there's some really, really, really cutting edge work on how beneficial RPGs can be, not yeah. just you know towards yeah. you know your mental state, mm-hmm. but how your mental state affects your physical body. You That's know, right. Together with some D and D. Pl- games and you know those like a kid's icu ward holistic medicine yeah i mean if you throw in some larp you get some physical activity as well i'm just saying we can help you with this yeah unfortunately most of my stuff is in sleep therapy so i guess you can start putting out episodes of how to go to sleep (laughs) if you're sleeping right no if you're sleeping well well, we've got some episodes we could recommend for that (laughs) i have a few as well all right well thank you chris appreciate you sharing all right uh, josh i'll go to you next what what are you about to man yeah so the big thing today uh i caught up on uh, season two of superman and lois which uh is such a phenomenal show i mean it was easily probably my favorite new show last year um and if for no other reason because of the uh out of this universe acting by bitsy tulak who plays lois lane right um and but man, I got to tell you, in season two, um, Emmanuel Chikri as playing Lana uh, is is uh, has apparently uh, you know got some kind of uh, burr under in her bonnet because uh, she's no uh, she's really giving Bitsy a run for her money in season two. Uh, and if you are not watching Superman and Lois, man, you are you are missing out. It is just a phenomenal phenomenal show. Uh, 
again, one of my favorite shows on TV right now. So very, very cool. All right. And Lee Wanika. Well, Josh stole my first one because I yes. just I just watched the the latest episode last night when we got done recording. So like I stayed up to like two in the morning and and whatnot. But uh, in general, I've been uh, catching up on a little bit of TV while I've been working on our latest book project is um, we've all kind of been doing that. It's not just yep. me. It's, I'm not doing it by myself by any means. Um, <laughs> but uh going through working on some of the creatures, making sure our CRs are set uh, appropriately, um, adding features to make them cool, kind of fine tuning some of the new rules that we're going to be testing out and debuting in the book is uh, pretty exciting for me. And so much so that I actually did one last night that's coming for a future project. um, Mm, Okay. I really enjoyed doing this. Well, very cool. Thank you for sharing. Is there a title for the book yet? Or can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the um, we do a, a series of kind of releases called the Traveler's Guides. That's kind of our, our, our kind of hook there. And so this new book is the Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse. It is mm-hmm. a player options companion to, uh, to the latest uh, monster manual that they put out uh, full of multiverse creatures. And so it's got feats and backgrounds and items and magic items and uh, a huge uh, section on campaign plot, stuff like that. So uh, we're expecting to have that up on DMs Guild. Uh, probably beginning of March ish. Okay. I'm expecting nods from the other two. As this is March, <laughs> I'm going to say beginning oh, of March call. is yeah. tough. Maybe yeah. middle All of right. March. <laughs> this is actually as as March done. 2nd today. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Towards the end of the month is where yeah. is our goal. You know, it's, yeah. Our goal is by the end of our first quarter, which mm-hmm. is this month. So yep. we're yep. trying to have it finished by then. Yep. All right. Very cool. And then, Glenn, what about you? What have you been up to? <laughs> I write. <laughs> like that's my life right now um not completely we're also working on uh trying to downsize and sell our house because uh, my wife and i have decided that we're done with the traditional material world and mm. we're selling our house buying an rv and we're just gonna bum around the country for a little while um nice. but aside from that between uh that and trying to write for the book and other things that we do for the podcast that's most of what i've got going on I have been having a whole lot of fun, though, uh, with one of the things that I'm doing, because I caught last uh, episode, y'all were talking about a solo RPG for Mm -hmm. Mech Derelict in Space, and that sounded super cool. Um, And I'm going to have to check it out, because I just discovered solo play RPGs this year when we happened to do an episode on solo play RPGs. I didn't even know they exist until Josh Mm -hmm. said, hey, let's talk about these. Um, (laughs) But I liked the idea enough that I wound up buying a copy of The Adventurer, because it's very basic, very easy to use and inexpensive. It's five bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I've been using it as kind of a world development tool. And I'm writing a, the story of Revelry the Bard in a world that I'm developing. And as the cards come up and I'm having to write the journal entries, it's helping me develop the world, which, spoiler alert, has it, it's actually just made me decide that it's a domain of dread instead of an actual world. Gotcha. Um, so it's been a whole lot of fun. And we put that up. I, that's up on the blog too, but it's, it's a kind of a side project more than a, a running main content right now, but it's, it's mm. a lot of fun too. All right. Very cool. Thank you for sharing. Very well crafted. If I do say so. Yeah. Yeah. And we sold uh, a, we sold an RPG. So uh, let's yeah. not forget our commission. I actually bought two of them <laughs> today myself. Um, nice. One of the things we do for our patrons at our top tier, once a quarter, we share with them an indie RPG that we're into. And so I, 
we did that one. So I, I bought two copies today and sent to two of them. One of them, our patrons already bought it themselves. So I got a different game for them. Um, so yeah, been really busy um, as always. I, I'm like one of the busiest people in the hobby podcast world, it seems <laughs> like anyways. Uh, I'm still waiting on my second edits from the game I'm designing, Action 12 Cinema. If you listen to any of my shows, I'm sure you've heard me talk about that. Absolutely. And, um, I, I kinda, waiting with bated breath. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, just worried at this point, but I'm always anxious about everything, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of shot my shot on Twitter the other day. And I was like, you know, I, I kind of want to help other people do some stuff, you know, do some writing. Because, I've, I, you know, like, like all of us, I'm sure I've been writing adventures and creating stuff. I just never published anything. Right. And I've had several people who actually have reached out. And so I'm unofficially working on an adventure for an existing property. There's like no contract sign or anything. So it's all just sort of like, you know, peddling right now, but it, I really like what I've come up with and they seem to like the pitch. So I think that might come in something, something there. And then me and Tom are actually working on a solo RPG ourselves. Um, he uh, is a big uh, fountain pen guy. Like he's just, he talks about all the time on the shows I do with him. He, he just loves different types of fountain pens. Um, so we are going to use a mechanic where you have different colors of ink and that is a mechanic in the game. Don't know yet exactly what it does, but that's about okay. as far as we got. Uh, cool. But I'm excited about it. Yeah, there's a lot going on. TV world. Uh, I actually do a Smallville podcast. Um, I watched the first season of Superman and Lois. I really enjoyed it, but I haven't gotten yeah. to the second season yet. So I'm currently getting ready to start releasing our fourth season of Smallville. I finally finished my Castle rewatch. I, I watched that show when it originally came out for like the first four or five seasons, and I kind of fell off of it. And um, i I just wanted to get back through it. So I've been watching that, uh, just finished it. And then I started rewatching Justified, which is one of my favorite oh, shows of all time. Love that show. Love Justified Timothy Oliphant is one of my favorite actors ever. Yeah. 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 It's so good. Yeah. So we Smallville did crash. One of my absolute favorites. And I, I, uh, I got to start tuning into uh, some of your stuff on Smallville because uh, like, I know it like Bible verse. Uh, so every episode we bring on a different co-host, usually from other podcasts. So if you'd be interested in being a co-host with me, absolutely. I put you down. Season four is already booked, but uh, basically at the end of each season, I send out a Google doc and it just has all the episodes listed and people just throw their names on the episode they want. So if you're interested, yep. it's called Farm to Fable. I Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Lee will have far, Lee and will have far more knowledge on that than I, but a yeah. uh, funny story yeah. about Smallville is the one of the few times the three of us actually lived in the same state was when it was airing and we used to have smallville parties after work on on, on the yeah. nights that it aired we'd all be sitting around the living room watching smallville together it was pretty hot yeah we, we'd pack a bunch of us into this tiny little apartment and we'd all watch smallville and then we'd go to the bar for karaoke afterwards yep and then come home and try and sing uh, sticks covers badly yeah <laughs> so yeah so unfortunately, good to me. the internet did crash. We actually were doing really good for a while. Uh, we're in the red <laughs> currently, so I don't yeah. know again if any of this is going out. But again, we're just going to keep going like it is, uh, yeah. and we'll this will go up on the audio only if if uh, if nothing else. Yeah, um, so we're going to move into our first improv game, and this is called Ten Things. And this is where we are going to prompt one another in turn to come up with a list of 10 things. Immediacy is more important than accuracy. So a bad list quickly is better than a good list slowly. Uh, again, this is the first time having five people on the show. So we're going to kind of have to figure it out. I, I know Zoom's weird, but there's a, there's a, we're, we're all in a particular place on my Zoom. So that's what I'm going to use to kind of keep us straight. So I'm going to start with you, Glenn. Would you rather prompt someone to give them their list or do you want to be prompted to give your list? Oh, prompt me. Hit me. Okay. I'll go first. 
All right. So I will prompt you. Um, so, Terrified, by the way. Terrified. Oh, no, no. Okay. Well, so you mentioned <laughs> you like Smallville. Um, mm. So how about, about really. you, you at least watched it. That's close mm. enough for, the, for these purposes. Um, give me 10 villains that you would have liked to have seen on Smallville. That I would have liked to have seen on Smallville, yeah, but weren't. again, it doesn't have to be an accurate list, so you can just fair enough. Balance. I can't. I can't promise that they they didn't appear on Smallville. No, uh, but I mean, if we're talking about Superman fighting somebody, yep, um, you got to go with Darth Vader would be a good one. One, right? okay, Darth Vader would be hot. Cobra Commander, two, two. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I had to go there. Uh, Sauron from Lord Three. of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. um, <sighs> Judge Dredd. Could Four. definitely go after him. And uh, maybe, I mean, Cap- Captain Marvel, we got to know who's going to win that fight. She may not be a villain, but mm-hmm. at some point they could go, they could go wrong. Yeah. Right? So I've gotten five. five badly, but hey, I'm there. Um, let's see. Uh, villains that could face, face. Wow. And I just drew a blank after that. Look at me go. So I'm only at five. Yep. Um, let's go with, I'm going to keep going with heroes because that's what I can think of. Cause that's more important. Fast is better than not at all. Right. So that's Dr. Right. Strange, okay. um, Six. and the Hulk seven, um, we're in the Marvel. I'm in the Marvel verse now, so I'll stick with it. Thanos eight, eight, and Nick Fury. Nine. Nine and Lionel from the Thundercats. Ten. 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 Wow, wow, <laughs> villains, and I couldn't come up with them. Yeah, so it looks <laughs> right. like we're back on the internet. So thank you, everybody who stuck around. We know we dropped off, but we're going to keep going. Uh, so the audio only version will come out for anything that you might have missed. So my apologies. Um, I did mention my plan was to start driving to the local library and stealing their Wi-Fi. And I have that set up, but I neglected to remember that my wife is out of town this week, so I can't leave my boys here alone, unfortunately. So even though that is the plan, couldn't do it tonight. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So, Glenn, you just gave your list. So, again, on my screen, I'm going to have you prompt Lewanika. So you're going to give Lewanika a list of 10 things that he will supply. All right. My my prompt for Lewanika is uh, 10 ways to introduce a new character into an existing party. Ooh, I like it. Naked in a car crash. What? One. Um, in a bar. Two. Two. Um, in school, gym class. Three. Three. Um, pizza delivery. Four. Four. Um, they get dropped out of a moving car. Five. Five. Um. You're sitting in a jail cell, and the cops bring in a new uh, prisoner. Six. Uh, you are in the airport, and the person sleeping ne- sleeping in the seat next to you drools on your shoulder. That's your new character. Seven. Seven. Uh, you go to a karaoke bar, and the greatest singer in there is still me, but the guy <laughs> next to me is your new character. All right, eight. eight. Uh, you go to a burger bar and the person eating the absolute best gorgonzola blue burger is still me, but the person sitting next to me, amazed at how much food I can consume, is your new character. And Nine. the last one is you're walking down the street looking for some help and 
the phone rings and the person who calls you says, I'm on the way. And that's your new character. Ten. That was, in fact, a list of ten things. All right. So, Lee, you are now going to prompt Josh. All right. All right. Josh. Name ten TV shows you are confident you could have scored better than they were scored when you won. Oh, man. Cool. All right. So background on this, my, my master's is in music composition. So that's kind Ooh. of before I had to go legit and, uh, and become an IT pro- computer programmer. I was, uh, I was artsy. So uh, TV shows that I'm confident that I could score better. Let's see. Uh, uh, I'll go with Superman and Lois for sure. Their score is great, but I could do it better. Um, Castle. Uh, I could have done the West Wing killer. I w- would have been amazing at the West Wing. Uh, Law and Order, because other than the bump bump, the score there kind of stunk. Uh, let's see. Uh, I could do... Um, Oh, you know what? I could have easily done Wheel of Time. Uh, I would have killed at that. Um, The new uh, Rings of Power episodes that are showed that's coming out on Amazon. I would have loved to dive into that one. Uh, Let's see. I could do... uh, you know, I, you mentioned Thundercats. I could, I absolutely re- refresh Thundercats. That'd be fantastic. Uh, I, how about, uh, how about Mask? You know, we mentioned uh, Cobra earlier. Mask was one of my favorite cartoons uh, as a kid. Uh, let's see, what else could I have done? Uh, uh, I could, I could really rock the uh, the score of Pawn Stars. I think that'd be pretty great. Um, <laughs> and I could do uh, Vox Machina. There you go. Ten. Ten. That is, in fact, a list of ten things. All right, right. wonderful, but but I'm offended you didn't say Silverhawks. That's the one I want to impress because that I loved that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Joshua, you will prompt Chris. Awesome, Chris. uh, I would like you to give me ten things seen at a bad haunted house. Ooh, uh, clowns. One. Uh, children. Two. Uh, not scared children. Three. (laughs) Uh, parents looking for their lost child. Four. Parents trying to lose a child. Five. <laughs> uh, carnival workers. Six. Mm. Uh, makeup artist. Seven. A uh, guy trying to write a score to a new TV show. Eight. A <laughs> uh, guy trying to actually perform his score to a new TV show. Nine. Mm. And a guy trying to do a podcast about a haunted house. Ten. Yeah, like it. Nice. <laughs> it was, in fact, a list of ten things. All right, nice. sir. Close this loop here. What am I, what am I doing? All right. Uh, 10 things you would want to have at a Smallville party, viewing party. Um, Erica Durant. One. Kristen Crook. Two. Uh, Alfred uh, Goff. Right. Three. Miles Miller. The Kryptonite Key, because I would steal it. All right. Four. Michael Rosenbaum. Five. John Glover. Six. I guess Tom Welling. Seven. No, I would take Sam Jones a third because he was criminally underused. All right, eight. Uh, any of Lex's cars. Nine. And a map of the Lex's mansion because it makes no sense spatially. <laughs> ten. Yay! 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 Ten things. That was in fact a list of ten things. All right. So thank you and guys I would, for. Pol- I would steal Lex's car. By the way, you can have the key. <laughs> I'll steal one of Lex's cars. He did drop some nice cars. Uh, All right, so we're going to move into what's kind of like the meat and potatoes of the show. It's called Used Books. And the idea here is that we're going to talk about a campaign that one of us either played in or ran, or maybe in this case, both, and see if we can mine that uh, 
former campaign for some lessons learned, things that went well that we've tried to repeat and take into other games, maybe something we tried and it didn't work so well, and we've either tweaked or, or avoided that in the, in the future. So Josh, so I think you have a campaign you wanted to talk about. So kind of what, give us the background, what was the sure. campaign and we'll just kind of go from yeah. there. I'm actually going to kick it to Lee Wanika because it was oh, Lee okay. and Glenn that had the, uh, had the Palladium campaign. So, okay, sure. Yeah. 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 So uh, Glenn and I have been, Palladium and Rifts fans for years and somewhat recently within the last decade, uh, Glenn ran a Rifts campaign, which was amazing. I'll let Glenn talk about uh, what the campaign was about and that, but uh, it allowed me to do some great things as a player um, and specifically uh, I used to love the old CBS show Do, Do South where you had the Canadian Mountie working with the local cop and uh, he hit, he was all uptight paladin like kind of thing. And, and I love that comedy bit. And so I basically made a, uh, a Tundra Ranger, which are the riffs version of Canadian Mounties in the riffs area uh, to kind of do that thing. And we worked on a nice backstory and I'll, I'll kick it to Glenn so he can kind of, Tell you more about it but there were a ton of lessons that i learned as a player and that i learned from glenn as a storyteller um that uh i think were amazing and i, I still use some of those techniques today thank you very much lee i mean that's tall praise um but i mean you're, you're you picked a good one because I, that was honestly where I think I experienced the most growth as a storyteller was running that game. I really challenged myself because I was bringing in a lot of new people who were not just new to riffs, but also new to role-playing. Okay. And one of the ways I pitched it was by doing riffs. And one of the reasons I chose it, one of the reasons I love it is because in uh, riffs earth, you can be anything you want, literally. And that's how I pitched it. I'm like, tell me your favorite actiony, spy, whatever, character from a show that you want to be like or be i can make that happen you want to be abraham lincoln vampire hunter and rifts earth i can make that happen you want to be a character literally out of a fantasy world like a 5e world who winds up getting portaled into rifts earth because all these rifts open up all over the earth and other dimensions bleed into it you can make that happen uh so i wound up with a crew of, of, of misfits um my wife wanted to be a vampire like from underworld um, okay. i had one character who pretty much wanted to make alcohol drink himself as into oblivion and light everything on fire um and i had a, i had one of, one of those players who uh isn't happy if they can't find a way to make themselves so ridiculously powerful it's not even funny mm -hmm. um who i love to death one of my best friends it's just the way that his mind works he's he's very much i've got to be here um and I had to find a way to make them all work together. And, and I don't know if y'all are familiar with riffs at all. Uh, a little, little bit. I know the concept. Okay. I think I played what, a riff Savage Worlds like one time. Mm -hmm. yep. So post-apocalyptic world where when all the massive loss of life from war happened, uh, that energy release reactivated magic. So now you got magic and technology and weird dimensional portals that can open through time and space to anywhere to let things into your world. Um. And I wrote it with this enemy faction, the FTA, uh, from the Ashes is what their group was based off of, which was all these people who were getting abilities from this magic that was suddenly released into the world who were like, well, we can protect mankind. But then over time, it kind of got eroded into, 
we're more powerful than those normal people. We should rule mankind. Uh, and that's kind of who they wound up fighting against. And they didn't have any morals. Um, but even down to the, the way I started the game, it's where what I call uh, my, my short version of session zero, where you've barely met each other at all and you're thrown into this. Um, that I call naked and afraid, because literally that's the way that I started them out. I'm like, if they've never met each other, they don't know anybody. How are you going to start creating that inner party bond? Um, so all of them had at the end of their backstory, this piece where they were abducted, they wound up being put in these death games, kind of an homage a little bit towards, uh, not a great movie. Stone Cold Steve Austin hasn't, didn't make it into a film like The Rock did, um, but Condemned, a movie where they're all on islands in this death match thing with these okay. ankle bracelets that'll explode. It was similar to that. And they had ankle bracelets, et cetera, but they come out of these pods, literally everybody naked with gear on the table and they have to work as a team to survive um just to survive the game and from there there were other pieces as they met their patron and continued into the story to help draw them in further um but it was a whole lot of fun and that was mm. that's the general start to explain okay. the game so a couple things that i guess interest me about the way you set that up is is one I, I've talked about this quite a lot that when I start a new game now, I spend a lot of time, again, session zero, surprise, surprise, take a drink, um, making sure that everybody's kind of on the same page. We already build connections to each other so that when we start the game, I, I never do the, you meet in a tavern anymore. Like our characters are always together. But in that particular circumstance, that really doesn't make sense when you have such a disparate group of people that part of the game is that they're coming from literally other worlds and other, other dimensions. So, I am interested in what people would think, like if, you, if you're if you not going to do a session that should not be named, sort of you're already knowing each other, what are some effective ways that do work to build a, a group? And you know, you shared that one already, but do you have any other examples? Or if you were to do a start a game now, different game, different scenario, but you're not gonna do the intertwined backgrounds, what are some ways that you can start a group and, and let people form a bond? So any thoughts on that, Glenn? Any other ways that you might think of or come up with? So. I haven't specifically tried to come up with another one uh, exactly that is naked and afraid, but that's what I call the style where um, I'm coming up with something and it really depends on the story you're trying to tell and the group of players that you have, because some mm -hmm. players are going to help you form that bond of a party and some players are going to fight it. It really depends on who you got. So you got to kind of know your group. Um, but it's any kind of a story where you're trying to bring them together and come up with a way to create that party bond without having that connected backstory. You got to find a way to make an emotional connection. Fear is the one that I went with, but you could do with something with, you could do something similar with people who have never met. If you have a shared piece of their backstory that they all care about emotional buy-in is what it is pretty much what it's all about, but I haven't specifically set up and run it again mm -hmm. since then, but those are, I mean, two off the cuff, quick ideas that I okay. might work with. Yeah. And that's, we're just kind of brainstorming. Like yeah. yeah. Like the show lost where it's like, you've got everyone kind of together. They go through this traumatic experience and plane you know, crash. Party. Yeah. Plane crash. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did a very similar thing also with the palladium system. I did a dead rain game, um, which is very, uh, actually we just recorded an episode about that. It hasn't aired yet, but uh, I did a dead rain game at as, as a one shot at a virtual convention. Or actually, it was the last live convention before COVID. My apologies. And uh, basically, I took all the hero classes out of contention. And I made 28 um, uh, characters, pre-gens, 
all out of the mundane characters. So you could have a hero class cop, uh, you could have a hero class soldier, you could have all these really cool things and have all these fantastic abilities, or you could have the beat cop. You could have the retired soldier. You could have the current private. Uh, and so I had all these mundane folks. I had like a college student. I had a soccer mom. I had a, an accountant dad. Uh, and I built all these characters and I set them in my local town uh, because I was doing a Walking Dead uh, zombie apocalypse. But it was very early. Um, basically, it was like Fear the Walking Dead time frame kind of kind of thing. And uh, basically, I put out all the characters for people to pick, and I knew where each of the characters were going to start, and they were all in this one area, which is probably not even a mile uh, in circumference, um, but they were all in that area when the zombie horde first starts rolling, and so basically, uh, it's up to the players to kind of crowd into a safe place, and this place had access to everything, so it was literally... They just got together because they're being hunted by zombies. And mm -hmm. it's like, now what do you do? You know, right. one of them was a cop. One of them was a soldier. Uh, uh, you know, one of them was a soldier who was about ready to get kicked out. He's actually being driven to uh, where he could be kicked out <laughs> of the military. So it's like he wasn't even a good soldier <laughs> at that point. Uh, you know, so I kind of did a similar thing to that plane crash. And, and that was my take on what Glenn had done which is let's just find a way they're all here. So nobody has to know each other before this moment, but there was a way there were kind of built in connections in the backstories that I wrote because the college student was a undergrad for the big professor who actually knew what was going on. Right. And the big professor uh, didn't know the college student was in the same area. So like if two people had picked those two characters, there would have been a connection. And I did things like that, like uh, the big business person actually owned the company that the soccer mom worked for. And so there were these light connections where they would have people would have seen each other in passing. Uh, you know, there's one guy who was a former criminal. He was arrested by this beat cop at some point in the past. And it was all about it was a random thing as to what people pick. So, like, I was going to be surprised by what happened. So, Jack, uh, in the chat asked, like, that's sort of like the opposite of the, you know, don't split the party sort of, uh, you know, advice. So if you allowed people to pick whatever character they want, how did you get them together to form a group if they literally started separated by distance? Like, was that just like, not like, like railroad them, but like, did you sort of like know that they were going to be forced to go to a certain place just because there's zombies everywhere else? Or how did you manage that? Well, uh, thanks for the question, Jack. Uh, it was actually by design because the area I picked is this interesting intersection between a small state highway and an interstate right where I live in Norwich, Connecticut. And uh, when I was a kid, we used to call it the super loop because you could literally just drive all these loops and just continue to go north and south and east and west and keep doing it in circles till you're dizzy. That's And uh, it was fun when we were kids. I don't know if that, that's... That's what we did before there was an internet. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the idea was everybody, everybody, even though they were separate, they were all in this intersection area. In that same okay. area, there are three gas stations. There's a hotel. There's a restaurant. There's a garage. There's a public works facility. There's a bowling alley. Uh, there's a friendlies. And there's a series of doctor's offices. So when they got off the highway... It was all about where things would went. So I did a couple things that were not railroady. Like I had big lights 
on the bowling alley area. And I said, all the other lights seemed to be off. So people just naturally flowed towards the light areas. I didn't have to do any of the railroading. They actually just went there mm-hmm. and they ended up together. Um, a couple of them were when the game started, there was an accident and the highway was blocked. And that's where the zombies start rolling. They were actually in two cars that had hit each other. So they didn't know each other. They're actually yelling at each other as the game goes in because who hit who kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just more set up and then let people do what they did. And I will tell you, Jack, they did everything I did not expect them to do as a group. They just happened to do it together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a topic buried in there that I've been thinking about for a while, and I still haven't come up with a good way to articulate it. But at some point in time, I want to do a show just on that, on how the way that a GM presents information can influence what the party does. And I, you know, I don't mean like railroady, but like, for example, you use the thing about, you know, the lights were on the bowling alley and that sort of naturally drew people there, but you very easily could have said that the bowling alley has the most lights and it seems to be the most exposed. And that just the way by using that word, you might've actually got people to be like, well, we want to avoid that because that might draw the wrong sort of attention. And actually, you know, if you wanted them to go somewhere else by putting the other place in the dark. So again, I don't, I don't know yet what I want to say about that, but I think there's a topic in there somewhere about how you can influence or maybe even manipulate, if you want to say that word, to get people to do what you want just by what you share and how you share it and maybe even when you share it. But that's yeah. for another time. Uh, so, Josh, <laughs> what about you? Sure. Any any suggestions or any examples you can pull from? Yeah, so uh, I run uh, a very collaborative games whenever I run games. And it's, it's, you know, we did the, we talked about our episode on collaborative world building a little bit ago. I've always been a huge proponent of collaborative world building. And so when I started, I started a, a tabletop game a couple of years ago, uh, actually in person when things started to, to thaw a little bit and then it had to go away again. Yep. Um, but uh, uh, the concept of that game was that uh, the players at the table were all going to be conscripted by the local government into into military, right? And so uh, because there was a, a goblin uprising and the king had been sending people there and the parties weren't coming back and nobody knew why. And so basically they were going to go to investigate, figure out what happened and all that sort of stuff. And so as they started coming to me with character concepts, you know, when, uh, you know, when... Uh, an elf came in to, to the game. It's like, okay, well now, now we need to go ahead and figure out what is the kind of treaty connection between the kingdom of the elves and the kingdom of the men that's allowing you to kind of be conscripted. And why would you be can, coming in there? Or, you know, when, uh, when one of the players said that they were a member of uh, the local teamsters guild, it's like, okay, well, what other guilds are there? What's the relationship between your guild and the other guilds and everything like that. But mm-hmm. all that to go ahead and say, like, it really, it, it is a little railroady. I, I will admit that up front to go ahead and say, you're all going to be conscripted into the military. You're going to be sent off to a battle. Now give me your concepts. And then we're going to start working out kind of what the connection is in between you almost in a kind of a session that shall not be named at this moment in time yep. kind of way where it's like, you're going to begin the game having met about two weeks ago. And we're going to mm-hmm. spend that whole kind of pregame time figuring out what is that connection in between there. Um, and, but do it very collaboratively. Like, half the stuff that they came up with had no basis in the game uh, until they came up and said it. And so a lot of it informed things that happened in the game and and decisions that were made throughout the game and all that sort of stuff. But uh, until they had said it until that person said that they were a member of the, of the gem cutters guild or whatever, there was no gem cutters guild. There was no guild structure. There was no nothing. Right. And then it's like, Oh, now there's a guild. Okay. So they gave me one, I created seven more, but you know, like that's that all kind of, went into the very foundational aspects of the game. And that's the way that I like to do it. It's almost like um, 
uh, we did a actual play with against the uh, with the guys from Against the Dark Master a little while ago, and that game is very much built the same way, where it's like the the game is built around the players that are in it, mm-hmm. very very explicitly, and I really liked that sort of style. So yeah, I'm a big fan of that as well. And again, I'm sure I've talked about that before, but I feel like there's a sense of ownership when a a player builds an NPC or a faction or a kingdom, and it's an easy way to get them to care about it just by having them name it, if nothing else. So definitely a big fan of that. Um, But can I, can I give you a quick side rant? Sure. (laughs) Why is it that we're always so down on everybody meeting in a tavern? And I say that because in actuality, you know, the tavern is where all the gossip would happen. All the travelers would go. Everybody new to town, they go to the inn, they go to the tavern. I mean, in, in medieval life, tavern keepers were often the mayors because mm. they're so important. Uh, it makes sense that you would meet in a tower in a tavern. And you can still do that without making it tropey. And that's my challenge with my rant is mm. you, <laughs> it makes total sense for people to meet in the tavern. Just don't do it. You know, with a bar foot. Well, I mean, again, the rules are there are no rules. So, right, yeah. you know, don't split the party. But if you can split the party and make it amazing, you know, it's just execution. <laughs> execution matters. And right, if yeah. you can find a way to do it well, then you're doing it right. I mean, absolutely have fun with it. Uh, so, Chris, what about you, sir? Any, you know, past experiences or brainstorm some ways that maybe you could bring a party together that's not the you already know each other sort of thing? Uh, I do this a lot. Um, part of that is I run a lot of games at conventions. So I like to have multiple characters that people can choose from. And then I just spend five minutes going, okay, why is your character on this planet? What are you doing here? And then I just kind of figure out a way to tie that together. I also really am a big fan of uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord, where you literally can roll up random characters and then tie the party together. Um, I love doing that where I just pull out a piece of paper and go, all right, Michael, you rolled up you know, a butcher. Where's your shop at? Do you own the shop? Oh, wait, you rolled up really poor, so you probably work for somebody. Tell me a little bit about who your boss is and what your shop is like. All right, perfect, Josh, you rolled up a woodcutter. You know, hey, you rolled the rich guy. You actually own your shop. What's it look like? <laughs> you know, and just kind of go around the table with a piece of paper and kind of draw that out and then find a way to tie it together. Yep. Um, yep. Recently, I came up with a new idea, and I'm going to find a group to do this with, where, again, Shadow of the Demon Lord, uh, you're all poor. You've all come to a city. You start off basically in a boarding house. You're all sitting around a big table about to have a meal. And the idea I would have is like, okay, Michael, you tell us about your character. Cool. Who's sitting to your left? Mm. Describe the NPC. What's that person's character? What, you know, what's that NPC like? And then it'd be like, okay, Josh, now it's your turn. Who's sitting to your side? And not only are we talking about the characters, but now we're talking about some NPCs in the room that we can interact with. And then in true shadow of the demon, demon Lord, uh, you know, nature, I'm going to slap, reality out of your uh, mind and you're going to find out that there's a whole lot more going on i do love the players coming up with npcs angle that is uh i've played in games where that has happened before back in there's an old 3.5 DD game with the leadership feat which as you progressed in levels allowed you to get basically build up retainers um and we had a dm that absolutely leaned into that where it's like nope you name your retainers uh the the, the very famous kind of conceit was that you name your you name your retainers and you give them skills and you have conversations with them or they're mine mm. and you don't want them to be mine <laughs> you know like that whole that whole conceit yeah in that in that game i actually ended up for whatever reason my character role-playing not not real life wasn't getting getting along well with the other players in the game so my followers ended up being a squad that i trained in a very specific way 
So we would always take the missions that the rest of the party couldn't handle because I was the roguish one. And it's like, so I had this whole squad, like eight of us that would go out and do all the nasty business. Uh, and then we'd come back and then we'd be part of the party and then we'd go out and we'd mm. come back. And uh, it was Lucky a great rogues. game because it let me do that thing. Uh, but I was never really alone while I was doing it because I had all these NPCs or whatever. And right. it was a great way to play the game. Very, very cool. Uh, so quickly, again, mentioned Jack uh, had said that he played in a con game recently where the GM also used their home location as the primary setting. I know Jared, uh, the other Jared on Twitter, who's part of the faculty here at the Academy, he runs a Walking Dead style game. Uh, the name of the game he plays is Escaping Me, but it's basically just a zombie game. And that's what he always does. He'll like pull up like Google Earth and like, here's the mall where you're at. And then like have the actual locations of the places that you're at. Uh, cool. You can like yeah. go to the Kroger and then, you know, you can like you can see the Kroger right there and, <laughs> and, and uses it to really build the reality. Nice. Uh, so the only example I'll, I'll share is yeah. I played a Savage World game. This was years and years ago, but it just recently came up because the way we're doing our faculty meetings right now, Tom, my new co-host, is going back and listening to our original episodes and then kind of like pulling talking points out to see if my opinions have changed. And so we just recently started talking about this game. Uh, it was supposed to be a one shot. I think it ended up being a, a two shot, but essentially it was a Deadlands game. All the characters were their own creations. They didn't know each other. And so we started off that game. They were on a train, very, you know, very Deadlands ish. They were traveling through and the only car that had space was the same car that each of them ended up in. So it was very easy to like, you know, you, you walk through till you find an empty seat. It just happens to be next to this person. And they were the only care, you know, people in this particular car. And during the night, they fell asleep when they woke up the next morning, they were at the train station, but there was no one else on the train and there was no one at the train station. And when they got off of the train station, there were no other cars attached to the, to the car they were in. Uh, and so they had no choice, but to like try to figure out what was going on. And they eventually followed the tracks both directions at about a mile. They just ended because it's a very supernatural thing. So it kind of like, like lost, it wasn't a plane crash, but yeah. they were essentially trapped together. They had nowhere else yeah. to go, but to stick together. And for a one that's or two shot, concept. like a con game, it worked fine. Yeah. That's a pretty great concept. Actually. <laughs> I do like that. Awesome. Well, thank you. All right. So we're going to move into our second uh, improv game. This is the one everyone always loves. And I say that, with anger and heat in my voice. <laughs> uh, I don't think New York Tater is, is with us right now. He hasn't checked in with chat, but I know he will listen later. He will yell at me if we don't do it. And this is the game, Where Have My Fingers Been? So in this game, we're going to once again take turns prompting one another in turn. In this case, we're going to create a short scene with basically our fingers representing a couple people. It helps if there's a beginning, middle, and end. I usually try to skip at least one of those just because I think it's funny. Um, so, Lee, I'll start with you this time. Do you want to be the person that's prompted first and give the scene, or do you want to prompt someone else first? I think I would like to be prompted. All right, so I'm going to reverse the circle so Josh will actually prompt you. So, Josh, yes. uh, give uh, Lee a scene, but you have to sing the song first. All right. I said, where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Inside a diner in Smallville, suddenly realizing that Clark Kent is Superman. Oh. Oh. <laughs> this is so cool. Like, like really, what are you doing? Look, I, I would never do anything to hurt you, but like, you gotta have a sidekick, and I, I, I am the sidekick, the sidekick for you. I swear, 
I know all the good stuff. Like I know where we can go. I know I can help you. I'll just like hang out. Uh, you live on a farm and stuff, right? So like, just I'll sleep in the loft and it'll be cool. I can guard the ship while it's still in the basement before it goes into a cave or where God knows where I'm not dealing with the cold, man. I'm just not dealing with the cold. I mean, unless you're going to like heat me up with the heat vision and then we can go together and we can hang. But I mean, I'm your dude. What you name it, you got it. What do you think? I'm about to tap you on the head so you forget everything about me. <laughs> <Oop>. <laughs> nice. And that's where your fingers have been. My fingers have been. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Nice. So, Lee Winiga, you will now prompt Glenn, and Glenn will do the scene. So, Glenn, you must sing the song in whatever rendition you choose. Where, oh, where have my fingers been? Where, oh, where have they been? We're not good at following rules in case you know. Yeah. There are no rules. They're just guidelines. Yeah. Um, the quote, Bat Dad, the rules of the road don't apply to me. Speaking of which, <laughs> the scene is between Batman and one of his myriad Robins. And they are fighting over the last box of bat cookies and milk. Mm-hmm. See, okay. <clears throat> My camera's backwards, so I started to put them over the wrong shoulder. <laughs> oh, crap. That's the last of the cookies and milk. I better get them before Batman even notices. Hey, get away from there. Those are my cookies. But, but I'd really like them. No. Batman gets his cookies because Batman is the one that kicks the butt. Hey, I kicks the butt too. Do you need to have yours kicked now? I'd really rather not. Then give me the freaking cookies. Couldn't we just share? Well, Alfred did try to teach me to share when I was younger, but I mean, sharing means less. If I have four <laughs> bat cookies and I give you two bat cookies, I have less freaking bat cookies. Math is not that hard. Eat it, kid. Mm-hmm. And that's where my fingers have been. Awesome. All right. So, Glenn, you will now prompt me. So, where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? So, your fingers have been caught up in an argument uh, because both of them are desperate to play the party's bard. And they're now having a face-off to determine who gets that honor, whether it's spoken, singing, whatever. Me, 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 me. More like you, 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 you. Well, of course it's about me. I mean, you. I mean, you. Or is it me? I'm confused now. You want to make out? Yeah. (laughs) And that's one of my fingers. True bard fashion. Yeah. (laughs) You got two bards. They're going to make out. Fair enough. I didn't didn't anticipate the horny bard angle. (laughs) (laughs) You always have to expect the horny bard action. Right. All right. Um, Chris. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? You are the rogue and barbarian watching the two bards currently making out. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Strange. They have less clothes on than I do. Um, Should I, is it, uh, maybe now's the time to steal that magic wand that they have? Mm, stealing bad no no stealing's good mm, bad 
Good. Bad. Good. Me want to join. <laughs> well, that got weird. And that's where my fingers have been. Yay! Yay. I'm surprised you didn't make a sneak attack joke because really that would have been just perfect. But... Oh, when you said the magic wand, I went to a completely different place. Yeah. Right, right. And sneak attacks are frowned upon when it comes yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, because you know, honestly, like sex is like my RPG advice. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. As long as everybody <laughs> at the table's having a good time. Right. All right. As long as everybody's. So, pardon the pun, but we will now close this circle with Chris prompting Josh. Got it. All right. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Uh, you are a couple PCs meeting while you're running away from zombies. Hi, I'm Jack. Karen. Where are you from? Oh, I, I lived over on, 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 on Main Street. Uh, have you lived there long? Well, I mean, yeah, up until about like like about five minutes ago. So, ah! and that's where my fingers. No, <laughs> poor Aaron. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> might well, have been Jackie. You never know. Like, you know. <laughs> no, that was well, definitely an Aaron. Ah, yeah. thank you. Yeah, for it sounded playing like these. Aaron just got at. Yeah, reindeer games. All right, so we're gonna move into cryptozoology. Nice. And in this section, we're going to talk about a monster. Doesn't always have to be from D&D, but usually is. And maybe discuss some ways that we have used these creatures in the past, perhaps brainstorm some ways that we could use them in the future. Uh, so again, Josh, do you want to introduce this or if Glenn or Lee want to, what is the monster we're going to talk about tonight? I'll, I'll do the easy part and introduce it. Uh, okay. uh, yeah. So yeah, right. So that's, I'll go first. Absolutely. Um, so the creature that we wanted to talk about tonight was the Gith Yankee. And uh, there's a couple of reasons for that is that anybody that's familiar with our show, uh, they have continued to kind of come up over the last several months. We have, uh, we run a, again, an actual play with our Patreons. And one of the player characters there is a Gith Yankee uh, by the name of Candy, because all he eats is like the uh, from a pouch of ribbon candy that he keeps on his side. Uh, and he keeps asking people if they want a hardened confection. Um, you know, and and so that was kind of like a thing for a while. Like it kind of was, he was just always there. And then in one of our class warfare episodes, the Gith Yankee came up as one of the creatures that we had to fight. Uh, and that's when world. we realized just how, uh, so first of all, that's when we first realized uh, just how the uh, the encounter builder on uh, D&D Beyond, when it says that it's a deadly encounter, you should believe that, for one, <laughs> um, uh, thing one. Uh, and thing two, just how um, just how brutal the mental effects, the psionic effects of the Githyanki really are in terms of uh, their effectiveness in combat. Uh, I'll kick this now to Liwanika, because I know you've used them in your tabletop campaign uh, recently uh, to, to tremendous effect, so... Uh, have yeah. So quickly, um, Dirty, Dirty Habanero jumped in, uh, also a fan of uh, Riven Candy. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, uh, when, when they came up randomly, I had, uh, other than, than uh, our patron who plays Candy, uh, I had not had a lot of uh, dealings with Gith Yankee. I I'd played in a couple Adventure League games where there would be one or two around. Um, but Adventure League games, there's not a lot of role play has been my experience they're very direct accomplish the mission move on to the next table move on to the next thing so uh, i didn't really get a good feel for what that was all about but i found them to be intriguing um and can't the way the player played candy i really liked and then when they rolled up in our class warfare because we picked them totally at random roll a die go to a page roll a die pick the 
tenth monster on the page, uh, tenth stat block, and uh, uh, Gith Yankee uh, Knight, I believe, is what came up that time. And I just found the combination of of their damage types, their multi attack, and just the the way they work to be really interesting. It caused me to do some more reading. And in both of my two ongoing campaigns, I had them fight basically a squad of Gith Yankee. Both campaigns are in tier three at this point. And so I could really amp up the, um, the danger level. And what I found is it has been very hard to take my players to a, in a fight uh, without excruciatingly large numbers uh, to a point where they felt really threatened. Like I've been trying to challenge myself to find interesting ways to create that. And I found that the exact proper number of Gith Yankee to make it a deadly challenge for my table. Cause I have a big table of eight in one game and eight and eight in the other, or it was nine. And then it was nine and seven. Now it's eight and eight. Cause one of them switched over. Hmm. Um, but uh, you can pick the right number and it is a legitimate challenge. Like uh, the fight I did with my Saturday group, um, every character at one point or another in that combat was bloodied. Uh, two of the characters were into single digits um, and a couple of the bad guys got away, uh, but the good guys prevailed, but it was a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and without a lot of DM sh- shenanigans, like the, I didn't have to do things to make this work. It just worked. And uh, I don't think you find that with a lot of groups, certainly not at tier three. It has not been my experience. And I found the Gith Yankee to be that same thing. I did another group with my Monday night group. And uh, similar experience. They work. They're extremely effective at, at those levels. So much so that I'm building, we're, we're working on some ideas to incorporate more gifts and coming up with some new stat blocks uh, for, um, for, for future projects because I just, I'm really enamored with them. So uh, Jack uh, just jumped in the chat, uh, mentioned that on the old Fiend folio, that on the cover, that is a, a GIF on there as yeah. well. It's good. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So I'm not super familiar with these. I, we were talking before we went live. I think I've only ran a game that had like one person who played it. And it was, a, it was in a, a game that was like specifically using those types of creatures as one of the new books came out. So mm-hmm. in fifth edition, GIF are covered in the um, Mordenkaden's Tome of Foes. And it starts on page 205, and they're basically like space pirates. So if you're using like Spelljammer rules or Planescape rules, uh, I, again, and correct me because I'm again I'm not 100 percent sure, but I believe that there's like a there's like a, a race of two. They're sort of what separated because you have the Gith Yankee yep. and then the Gith Zara, or however you yeah. say that. Um, so you know if you're not playing a game that traditionally starts with the idea of a multiverse or Spelljammer, I think that could be a fun way to maybe like kick off an adventure. Like I'm thinking almost like uh, sort of like alien in a way, like you have these, you know, dirt farmers who, you know, there's an earthquake and there's like a, a mine cave that has been exposed and they go and explore it. And there's like a, a spaceship inside there. And then maybe something that happens unlocks like a, the psychic powers of one of the characters. And that's how they get to, like their first level as a, as a class hero. And then of course the ship, like almost Goonie style starts to fly itself. And now you have outer space faring adventures of people who have no idea what the hell they're doing. Right. But that would be a fun way. I would think to introduce some craps. Well, you're definitely not wrong. The, the Yankee <laughs> are the harbingers of the multiverse, literally, um, because I mean, they make their home in the astral sea and they literally are raiders that raid 
every other plane and every other world that they have access to. Because they were originally written as an adversary race, that does give them a whole lot of warlike, evil, sometimes smack. But they are now a playable race too, which complicates that a little bit. They can't be that two-dimensional, you know? So you, you, you got to come up with a little bit more for them. But they're narratively so flexible for what you can do with them. Uh, the one that you came up with was great. Um, one of the things that really grabs me about them and some of the plans that I have them is because time doesn't, the astral plane is timeless. They don't age, right? So they're eternal. So they run into the same thing as vampires and liches in terms of the length of their, their thought process can, depending on how old they are. Um, but because of that, they actually have to have outposts outside of their, their mainland. So this could be in any of your worlds. So you could come up with all kinds of plots to come off of it because that's where they have to raise their kids because young get the Yankee won't age in the astral plane. So you've got these strongholds that are raising kids and teaching them to be warriors somewhere on these other uh, worlds and planes. You know, and there's so many ability or so many opportunities for stories to cross over there, whether it's a young Yankee warrior who gets separated and winds up in town with the normal people that aren't even supposed to know he's there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of potential for them. And they're a great way to introduce your group into the concept of the multiverse, whether you want to go Planescape or Spelljammer. Mm -hmm. The Yankee can be a Githyanki raiding party can be a great way to initially make that introduction. Yeah. No, it that's actually really great. Sorry, and not to cut you off, Michael, but that's actually really great. I just had a concept of like uh, uh, from the old Mass Effect game, Tali, who you know is a member of this like spacefaring flotilla race, right? But she goes off on her own to go ahead and learn what happens in the rest of the universe to bring back to the collective. Playing a, a Githyanki like that, who is kind of on like a rumspringer right to go off and like learn what it's like on some other plane to go ahead and bring back to the collective i think could be a really really interesting concept for a, like a good leaning get yankee yeah it's also a good way to get them into adventuring that uh they have to slay a mind flayer in order to earn their way back onto the mass the astral plane right. as a rite of passage and become an adult so so uh have any of you watched the movie i think it's bright burn or burn bright it's the evil superman I story. want to, but I have not yet. I make okay. so little time for the television these days. Yeah. It's not even funny. So there was a movie, list. James Gunn produced it. Basically, it's an evil Superman story. Uh, and the idea here is it's sort of like a reverse Krypton situation where that's what this race does. They send their children to be raised by another culture. And then when they become of age, they take it over. So you could do something similar to that with the Yith Yankee where they, they implant a youngster into a planet, have it grow up among them, learn their ways so that they can then conquer them you know yeah, like subjugate them yeah subjugate it so it's also, also kind of like the invincible storyline with the viridians or something and then yeah. similar to that uh you would have to change the lore a little bit but i do like the idea of maybe that's like one of the ways that get yankee end up being stopped like there's like a full-scale invasion but when they get to this particular world they start to age rapidly and so they only have a limited mm. amount of time in the on the world before they age to you know like old age and then start to die off. So they they have to leave, but then that awakens this world to the fact that this threat exists, which could start like an adventure. Like, well, we can't wait for them to come back. We got to take the fight to them situation. Uh, oh, that'd so, be awesome, Chris. I'll jump to you. Have you ever used a Gith Yankee in a campaign? Have you ever played in one, or do you have any again just brainstorming any ideas on how you could use them? Uh, never used them. Never played them. Uh, honestly, I kind of stayed away from a lot of the plane jumping when I played a lot of D and D. Um, I'm much more a fan of the, like I said, the horror setting. So if we jump planes, it was usually in Ravenloft, which mm. was either a fan favorite or a fan fear. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, 
it could be both yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I also i'll be honest you know second edition is where i cut my teeth on D and psionics and they were pretty rough as far <laughs> yes, as rough they, I mean, were. they weren't really well played so i always stayed away from a lot of those races so the yep. or monsters so the mind flares and stuff just because as a gm it was my brain wasn't ready to process all that information and it slowed the game down which always bugged me you know i liked the idea of the space raiders popping into different worlds that could be fun to play a group of githyanki and pop into a star wars you know verse and mm-hmm. now you're dealing with guys with lightsabers and then you pop into you know a D type world or pop over into dark sun like that could be fun to jump around Ooh, get uh, in dark sun i like that <laughs> yeah i mean that could, that could actually be kind of neat you know if anybody's listening wants to start a podcast where you jump around from story to story that'd be kind of <laughs> to do. from game to game yeah yeah, yeah I can I mean, imagine uh a gif uh raider ship who picked up some thry cream uh, uh day labor <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that could be real that could be real fun um yeah, could, i actually introduced an airship in my game just three nights ago um and it's non-functional but it's now there mm-hmm. it's cloaked it's and uh the get they beat the gift before they found the ship and so they've got this radio ship uh, the holds were full with all kinds of stuff from all over and they know what it's going to take to get it to work but that, that's uh fetch quest well, stuff well it's, it's the float uh, stone you have to go to the temple of the winds and get the float stone right <laughs> i played a lot of final fantasy uh jack has mentioned <laughs> that this is all flashback talk to ad and d party that, that he used to love psionics wasn't fun for the dm i also agree i was not a fan of yeah. psionics and i basically just said you can't play those when i was in yeah. that age because i just wasn't i wasn't smart enough to figure it out and i didn't really care to either so i have that's one reason i haven't had a lot of experience with it um, i was so, also anti-psionics when i was younger but josh is converting me now in more modern mm-hmm. roles I'm, I'm, I'm becoming yeah. more of a fan because josh is yeah. a huge psionics fan i am I, i'm i'm i am the you know back in ad and d so they had like the psionics handbook for ad and d and second edition and i was the one that bought it right like i was the one that played it because i loved psionics in second edition um and that's one. really second edi- exactly second edition was really like that was the first D and D. That was really the first tabletop role playing that I ever played. Was was in uh, was in second edition, you know. And then I went off to like Warhammer and like um, mm-hmm. Shadowrun and stuff like that. And so, but I always kind of had that like that basis in psionics and and everything like that. Uh, and it's, it's very much kind of seen me through to where I am now. So, yeah, I played uh, Dark Sun quite a bit. Yeah, love psionics. There got the psionics handbook, which effectively was a subset of Dark Sun at the time. And I mm. loved playing it in second edition, but couldn't find a lot of people do it. I thought it was much better refined in, in 3.5, even though mm-hmm. there were elements of it that I didn't think were great. I think it was smoother to run. And from, a, from a storyteller standpoint, it was a lot easier to run. Um, and it, so it's always been available in the games that I've run. Uh, yeah. A lot of people don't, don't choose it, um, but that never stopped me from having bad guys that used it. Yeah. Mm. I mean, using the magic rules to run psionics was a really, really smart decision, right? Because the you've kind of got the infrastructure there for those for the same types of things that you'd want to do as a psionic character from like a rules point of view, not ne- necessarily like not like from a mechanics point of view, but from kind of like a structural point of view. Um, and so that was a very, very smart decision that they took in in the in the three X uh, uh, rule sets. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, thank you all for sharing. I really appreciate it. At this point, yeah. we'll throw it out to the audience. If you have any 
cool or memorable stories that involved the Yankee or let's just open up Spelljammer, Planescape, any of it. Hell, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> uh, send us an email, therpgacademy at gmail.com and let us know. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook when this episode drops. I'd love to hear uh, some of your stories. Uh, but we're going to move on to the end of the show, and this is our audience Q&A. We do have several people who are watching. Uh, Jack's been the most vocal mm -hmm. in chat. Thank you, Jack. Dirty Habanero is also with us. But we have several other viewers who, if you don't feel like chatting, that's totally fine. There's no, you know, no, no push or anything. You have to do it. Uh, but this part of the show, it's Q&A. If you have any questions for us, drop them in the chat. We'll do our best to answer them. We always have the right to veto them. You know, they should be related to RPGs, I guess. Um, but we know there's a little bit of a delay. So while we're waiting for uh, any questions to filter in, let's go around the horn one more time. Everyone, give your name, give your social. And then since we have all three of you, if you want to like pick one aspect of either your show, a product you have on DMScale, just pick one thing that you want to promote. And again, I'll drop those links into the show notes to make it easy for people. So I'll start with you, Glenn. Uh, again, who you are, where they can find you on the interwebs, and one thing about the show or a product you want to, want to share. All right. So um, all of our Tabletop Journeys interwebs information uh, comes in one package uh, for all three of us. So I'm going to let Josh do that one because he's the most practiced with the spiel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm Glenn and one part of the Tabletop Journeys team. Josh is going to give you all those particulars in a minute. And uh, if I were to encourage you to check out one thing about us, I'd have to go with what I'm currently authoring, which is the story, the tales of revelry, the bard. You'll find them on our blog at ttjourneys.com. So I guess I mentioned that one already. If you want to check them out, I'd love to hear your comments, get some feedback on it. Tell me what you think. All right. Very cool. Thank you. And then uh, Lee. Yeah. So uh, I am fairly active on Twitter. Uh, Josh drug me in kicking and screaming. But I'm actually <laughs> loving it. I'm having great conversations. I, I love interacting with other uh, fans, uh, with other hobbyists, with other enthusiasts. And I think it's wonderful. Um, uh, my Twitter handle is very long. So the links I will, I will make sure you have. But it's uh, Akashambatwa underscore L uh, after my full first name. Um, uh, thank you, Twitter, for taking it before I got a chance to correct it. I, I loved you for that, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I would say the thing about Tabletop Journeys that uh, I enjoy the most is our character and story creation. Um, and I think uh, our actual plays and the players that we play with, both uh, other podcasters that we partner with and our patrons in specific are some amazing role players. Yep. Um, uh, none sure. of us are professional voice actors or anything like that, uh, but we have an absolute blast, and there are some really intriguing and amazing role play situations, uh, conversations, and moments that just happen. And like every, every time I think I've just hit the pinnacle of gaming, like I thought I did that when we did our Aliens uh, broadcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. another thing will happen and then mm -hmm. it was against the dark master and now it's then it's the real thing and you know, i'm getting ready to run a um a uh uh spot the spy game by black cat publishing i'm getting ready to run that for our patrons we've already done uh one of the session zeros i'm gonna do for that sorry about that it's all right i, I need one anyways <laughs> yeah, <that's> empty. It's... <laughs> um but uh i'm i'm really excited to do a modern game with yeah. a 5-3 model uh, that doesn't involve any magics or, or extraordinarily out there 
tech. So it's not as advanced as cyberpunk. It's very close to the old 3.5 D20 modern style. It spies, uh, and it takes place in the year 2050. Uh, we're going to start gaming that in the next couple of weeks, and it should air probably a few weeks beyond that. All right. Very cool. Thank you again for sharing. And then Josh. Yeah, sure. So uh, with the meat and potatoes here. So as Glenn said, our website is uh, www.ttjourneys.com. We are at TT Journeys on Twitter. Uh, You can also find us Tabletop Journeys on Facebook. Search for Tabletop Journeys wherever you listen to podcasts. uh, You will hear the show. And honestly, my favorite thing about the show is we have we are blessed to be able to talk to awesome people in the ttrpg space that are doing awesome things uh and it is just it is more fun than we really should be legally allowed to have uh you know it, it's just really the best thing in the world to be able to talk to people that are so passionate about their own projects um yeah and really uh i'm gonna uh, shout out liwanika and glenn here a little bit here because i couldn't ask for better co-hosts really like liwanika and i Aww. we have been arguing on people's <laughs> couches about ttrpg stuff for the better part of 20 years um and glenn is this fabulous moderating influence that kind of sits in between us as we're spiraling off in different directions about how awful certain subclasses are you know uh and is really I, I love the dynamic that we have it's a lot of fun to do the show uh and we just we just have a i i have a blast doing it like i i do all the editing and it's like there are times that i'm just like listening to us have this conversation i'm like oh crap that's right i need to be doing like working here and like mm-hmm. editing out stuff like that's right I, I can't just like get sucked in and listen i need to actually like be paying attention here so that's that's pretty awesome all right well thank you all gentlemen for for hanging out with us we do have a question but i'm gonna go to chris first so again chris where can people find you on the interwebs anything you want to plug uh, Twitter's easiest at Burlu underscore Chris. Otherwise, you can uh, you know download a few redemption episodes. We've only got um, six years worth nice. of episodes out there, so uh, still the <laughs> longest running AP Star Wars show out there. And I'll keep saying that till somebody proves me wrong. You also have a YouTube <laughs> channel now. How many subscribers we do? You to? Uh, a lot. I don't. Good. Know. Nice. I don't know because uh, I honestly. In my real world, I try not to pay attention to a lot of that stuff because I have an addictive personality and I don't want to get addicted to screaming at the world going, please subscribe. I just uh, want to yeah. I understand relax that. and enjoy what we're doing. So. But, but your YouTube channel, right there, basically they're just audio transfer, transfers of the episodes currently yeah. outright. Yeah, we had uh, quite a few people actually request us to do that because they said that where they are, and I didn't ask specifics, that they had a hard time downloading episodes, but it's easier to listen to it on YouTube. I've heard people say the same thing. Like they, they will just put it on, but it's still audio only, but just having access to YouTube, like maybe like the website they can get to from work. We'll let them go to YouTube, but not to like, you know, academy.com or whatever. So yeah. 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 Yep. All right. Very cool. Well, again, for myself, Michael at the RPG Academy, pretty much everything I do can be found there, except for Farm to Fable. If anyone wants to check out my Smallville show, it's a lot of fun. Um, we just released a new episode today for a new show that we're thinking about starting called Summon Monster 3. And that's me and two of the co-hosts. It's Ryan and Caleb. And we basically summon a monster. We talk about it. We offer a combat encounter, a, a non-combat encounter, maybe um, like loot that you might find if you defeat it or interact with it in some way. I had a lot of fun putting it together. I'm interested in getting feedback if it's something people would like for us to continue. I hope so, because I'm really enjoying doing it. Uh, So we have a question from Jack, and this is, I guess, for all of us, but I have no answer, so I'll leave it mostly to you three. (laughs) Um, Jack wants to hear a little bit more about Rift's setting and rules, because he is not familiar with that at all. And again, I played one time a Savage Worlds version of it. So whoever would like to take that. So Rift's is a fantastic game in terms of creativity and and the world um i 
uh, rundown of the post-apocalyptic world, every in Rift's Earth, every human has a certain amount of PPE, which is potential psychic energy or magic energy also for MPE. Um, and when during this giant war that happened, more people died, massive release of energy, more people died, which caused the ley lines to erupt magic to come back. Now you've got this giant mix of magic technology and dimensional portals that can literally open from anywhere mixing all kinds of plots and genres together i mean you but there's a downside and i apologize to palladium in advance for saying this the downside to rifts is you really 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 it's not a downside let me take that back it's not a downside just go into it eyes open that when you're looking at a rule set where in the same battle, you could have one guy charging on foot with a Scottish Claymore over his shoulders in a kilt and blue face paint because he literally just warped in from, you know, uh, the cast of Braveheart or actually from the Scottish Revolution. Either one. So it could be an actor or a real Scottish. Just look for the wristwatch. He's got the right, wristwatch. Exactly. He's from the movie. Exactly. Yeah. In the same, in the exact same combat that you have a mech moving Mach 4 circling the battlefield and shooting you know spreads of missiles you yeah. cannot write a rule set that's going to make those two combat systems mesh yeah. so there's a little bit of clunkiness there that you got to work around if your party doesn't stay at a similar power level in terms of the characters that they develop because you can literally be anything mm -hmm. and you could take uh, any palladium game and warp it into rifts earth like robotech or any of the other things that they that have come out and you could bring in run of the Robotech mechs, which I've done. It was one of my favorite things to do. And we used to play Rifts when we were younger because yeah. uh, a Cyclone Rider was badass in the, in the Robotech RPGs. Um, but the beauty of the game is that flexibility that you can literally bring in anything. It's also got a huge amount of books and the rules are spread out across them all. So it will be an expensive hobby to get into. <laughs> if you do want to try it, at main core rule book, Old West, uh, there's a couple of key, you, you can find some lists online of the key core books that you want to pick up. Yeah. Depending on the genre you want, the risk core, the, uh, I've always found if you want to understand the risk game, you want the core book, you want, uh, uh, coalition war and you want the Northern gun pair of books, mm, which Northern are, a good idea too. uh, uh, and the, the West books are pretty decent and the free Quebec. So we're literally talking book one. Uh, there's a couple of books like in the in the um, in the single digits. Uh, Coalition Wars eleven. The Northern Guns are thirty and thirty two, uh, and the Free Quebecs are around the twenties. So I mean, I want to say the Old West is like forty nine. Uh, no, Old West I think is 13, 12 or thirteen something. I like thought that. it was one of the. Yeah, I don't remember, but yeah. this was a long time ago when they all came out in the first place. Um, the. Glenn handled the story part and, and it perfectly. So uh, the second part of your question, Jack, was the rules and how they work. It's, it's a system that's primarily skill-based. So where everybody got used to 5e pairing back skills, so they're very basic. Um, there's not that many. It feels like there's not a lot of choices. You just have right. to role play what you're doing with these basic rules. Risk goes the exact opposite direction there's very specific spear, yeah. and finite skills uh your skills are percentage based yes to 100 um, percentage based uh, to 100 points nobody can ever have a skill beyond 98 percent. so there's always a chance to fail when you're rolling your uh, d100s um and your different character classes will come with a 
basket of skills, primary right. skills, uh, uh, secondary skills, and then there are, and then there, well, there's secondary skills and, and there's three different skill groups um, and your skills have a lot of weight. If you take certain skills, they can make you physically stronger. So when you roll your stats, you then have to pick your skills. Some of those skills will change your stats. Ooh, so complicated you, character uh, cash. Have a character. You take bodybuilding. Your character is now stronger. Now has more physical endurance, more uh, effectively hit points. But there's hit points and armor and SDC. And uh, honestly, we are starting to get into a lot of Palladium content on the show. So, Jack, I would invite you to check us out. Um, we're going to start doing a lot more, and we'll get into a lot of those those rules. I promise you. If you can find the right group, Riss is a glorious game that you'll have so much fun. I've been playing it since, what, Glenn, 86, 87? Yeah. But <laughs> as you mentioned, it's uh, the, all of the skills. It's very skills heavy. That's kind of a sign of the direction you should try to head with the game. Story arcs, skill challenges, you know, working the scenario, not just the combat. If you just make it combat, you're going to struggle because it doesn't all match up well. Hmm. Yep. So I'm not sure if Jack appreciates the answer, but Reverus seems to because they've just subscribed. So thank you very much for subscribing. I really appreciate that. Um, yes. I also have a question. I was about here because you know, again, I think we're all amateur game designers. If you, if you, I think if you run, you always dip into that at some point. But back in college, I was trying to create a game, and I had all these derived stats. So I know there's primary stats, there's secondary stats, there's tertiary stats. I could never figure out what would you call the fourth one. Would be like quadriary. Is there a word Quat for that? Yeah, quaternary is. The, okay, I couldn't figure out the name for that, so I, I just stopped designing yeah. that way. It's like I couldn't come up with a cool, <laughs> cool name, so I moved on. Yeah. yeah. So and and Jack actually says yes. Uh, he listens to a lot of APs to learn different game systems. All right, so we yeah. actually we're up to even more viewers now. So if you have any questions for the group, please you know throw them into chat. Uh, again, there's a bit of delay, so while we're waiting, there's a standard question we ask everybody. So I'll ask Josh first. Sure. If you were to be made into an action figure. What are the three oh. accessories that would come in your package? Cool. Yeah. So I, uh, I very much would be like the hacker of the group. So I would have like an oversized pair of headphones. Uh, I would have uh, my laptop that I can program just by tapping on the keyboard. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't actually need to type actual words and stuff. Exactly. Just like, you know, like, like anytime you're watching like swordfish or NCIS, just yeah. like you're routing through the, the subnet. Keyboard. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, and uh, uh, I would also have um, uh, a sword. Oh, yeah. Got to have that. Right. Like a katana or something. Yeah. 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 All right. What about you, Lee? Ooh, I'm going to have a microphone. Mm -hmm. I love to sing. And just absolutely. I'm going to have a bunch of comic books and among them are going to be Teen Titans, uh, new Teen Titans, number one, because the 1980s Teen Titans are the, are the greatest comics ever. Um, uh, I am also going to have my I think there, I think every action figure needs three things, um, and I probably want my rucksack from when I was uh, mm. in the army mm. because that had a bunch of cool stuff within it. And even though you can't open those in your action figure usually, um, unless you're talking twelve inch, uh, then you know, then uh, I think I could envision myself having all the cool stuff that uh, that uh, I used to carry when I was in when I was. Uh, in the army yeah in that case it's like a quantum rucksack because it could actually have anything could have anything yeah. because you can't it's open like a it rucksack it, of holding yeah. exactly yeah. whatever it's you need to be in there rucksack. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right and what about you glenn what are your three uh accessories for your action figure well for our little trio 
hit the road on the wheel man. Uh, so I come with a large accessory. I come with an RV. Mm, okay. <laughs> right. That's right. Um, <laughs> I also come with a small but powerful laptop capable of processing large amounts of data, doing graphic arts and, and, mm. and you know, some of, some of the video editing stuff that we may wind up doing and a lot of writing and typing. And, you know, I got to have some combat skills too. So I, I don't know if that I necessarily want to go with a sword. So go big or go home. I'm going to have a bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Nice. I, I'm like, 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 like my 13 year old Boston Terrier with only one eye, like as my companion, that'd be fantastic. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but to, to be clear, Glenn, you would actually have the car keys because the RV would be sold separately. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's yeah, really fair. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's my action figure is a limited edition that comes oh, with the RV. Okay. Well, fair. Fair enough. Well, there you go. Fair. Wow. Fair enough. Your technicality beats my technicality. You can buy. <laughs> you, you can buy me separately for cheaper. I mean, call me or text me. We can discuss yeah. price. There's an only chance yeah, for that. Yeah. Right. All right. right. Apologies. So, so one last call for questions. Anybody that has them out there, please drop into chat now. So one more time around the horn while we're waiting. Glenn, where can people find you on the internet? They want to come chat at you. Uh, the, all of the tabletop journeys places. Our email, which we didn't give out before, isn't necessarily a bad thing to do. ttjourneys at gmail.com. Um, ttjourneys.com for our website. I'll let Josh hit up the Twitter and stuff because he does that better. Leonika? Yep. Um, yeah, the Facebook, uh, group that we have for tabletop journeys is really the best place. Um, if you put a comment, post a meme, join the group, we have great discussions. Um, our patrons interact with the rest of the fans out there and, and hobby enthusiasts. Um, it, it's a lot of fun on there. We, we do a lot of good things. I also have a, a separate group that I do just spoilers for various, um, uh, television shows and properties journey into spoilers still trying to find a way to make that public because it was originally <laughs> private um you know we're Facebook. just under 100 members on in that group and i want to find a way to make that public without dropping the group entirely mm -hmm. if i can do that i just can't figure out how to make facebook do what i want probably involves <laughs> giving them money if i have to guess yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. typically <laughs> all right yeah. all right and then josh where can people find you on the interwebs Sure. So uh, our Twitter handle is at TT Journeys. Uh, you can go to www.ttjourneys.com for the, the write-ups and episodes uh, and search for Tabletop Journeys wherever you listen to podcasts. So. All right. Very cool. Right, Chris, where can people find you? Twitter, Burlu underscore Chris, or uh, listen to Redemption. Very Still cool. the longest uh, running Star Wars AP. Yep. Until, until we learn otherwise. So we learn another way. Yeah. And again, Michael, you can find all the stuff I do at the RPG Academy. I'll quickly plug our Discord. It's my favorite corner of the internet right now. It is an open community that is closed, meaning that anyone can join, but you have to ask for an invite. We don't post it anywhere because we had a bunch of people jump in, spam a bunch of stupid stuff. We had ban a whole bunch of people when we first went live. So basically, if you ask for an invite, I'll send it to you and you can join in. But I absolutely have a ton of time talking to people there. It's pretty small, so it's kind of manageable. But we post pictures of our animals, things we've been eating and cooking, recipes, a lot of comic book talk, a lot of TV talk. So nice. if you like anything about this show, there's probably a channel or two in there that you might be interested in. I'm also terrible about 
talking in open channels versus closed channels. So if you want to know the inside scoop of anything that's going on, I probably posted it publicly at some point in time. Uh, <laughs> so if you're into that, you can get that as well. So uh, Jack says, thanks, but no more questions have come in. So we're going to wrap the show there. Thank you again, gentlemen, for hanging out. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I hope some people will come check out your show again. There'll be links in the show notes to this episode for all the various things they talked about. We'll make it as easy as possible. So for now, we're just going to do the awkward wave out while I look for the big red button to say stop. Bye. Thanks, Jack. Later, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.